Notre Dame dealt with a ton of adversity in their win against NC State, and somehow the young, inexperienced coaching staff led by Marcus Freeman outcoached Dave Doran and the NC State assistants on Saturday in a very impressive win by the Irish. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Lockdown Irish. Today is Tuesday, September 12th, and thanks as always for making this your first listen of the day. You can find this show on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts, and I'm the host, Tyler Wojak. I'm a Notre Dame alum and producer covering college football for Fox Sports. And today's episode of Lockdown Irish is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWNCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. We got Luke Smith back on the show today to put the finishing touches on Notre Dame's win over NC State by going over the three things we liked and didn't like from the game. The everyday listeners already know, but if you're new to the program, Luke was my old co-host on a different podcast, and we've been doing this segment for a long time, and we'll continue to do it every Tuesday throughout the season. Let's bring him in. Okay, Luke Smith is back with me here, and before we get to our three things that we liked and didn't like from Notre Dame's win on Saturday, I am dying to hear the the boots-on-the-ground report from the weekend in Raleigh, because at 1.40 p.m. local time, you tweeted, quote, I am having a remarkably awful time in Raleigh, North Carolina, end quote. Did your day turn around at all after that tweet? <laughs> it did, but wow, that was um, <laughs> that was a nightmare of a day, To be, if we're being totally honest. Um, it, it was one of those days where as soon as I was just kind of approaching tailgate scenes slash the campus – and I just see these dark, dark clouds and it's pouring. I just had this sickening feeling in my stomach. Like this is going to be a very long day. <laughs> and the fact that people had mentioned the possibility of the game being delayed was alarming just because like that's not something that you hear happen very often. Although it did happen kind of all across that region of the country this past Saturday. But I digress. Um yeah, man. Um, as soon as they delay the game when the second quarter is basically about to start, first of all, we're all on metal bleachers, and you just have this massive humanity trying to evacuate at a Carter Finley Stadium, and it takes forever to just get out. And I'm like, this is this is truly a nightmare. And as I'm starting to finally get out of the section, and we're going towards. Actually, at that point, I don't even know if I knew where I was going. Um, I think one of my friends called me and was like, I'm going to go to the basketball arena. I was like, okay. And that was next door. But as I walk out of the stadium, it just gets like pitch black, basically. And it starts pouring. And the creepy thing was they had this sound in the stadium of a wolf howling for the wolf pack. So they're playing that while like interspersed with that is, please evacuate the stadium at this time. And then you just hear a wolf howling. And That's like, this absurd. Is, this is, this might be how it all ends. Uh, and, <laughs> and then, yeah, I believe actually I was in the basketball arena as I tweeted that I probably walked 500 feet and I was soaked. Um, and my entertainment for an hour and 46 minutes was watching kids just run across the basketball floor at Carter Finley stadium, like hitting the gritty doing stupid impromptu dance shows. It was, um, it was not fun. I had not eaten at that point. I had not, I really only had a couple drinks at that point. There was no water. So, uh, it was almost the game that broke me. I won't lie. (laughs) How bad was it before the game? Because I was waking up over here. It's probably like seven 45 Pacific time. So I saw some of the tweets 
showing how bad it was raining and it was gushing. This is before the game. They were talking about how there was already pools of water on the field, in the stands, and things like that. So were you tailgating at all? Yeah, that's what was honestly a really weird just thing in general um, about that whole day. I probably got out there about 8.30 in the morning for a noon kick. And it was like as we were approaching, it just started downpouring. Um, and we went into a bar that was right across the stadium. It's It's really kind of a weird layout they have there. The Carolina Hurricanes hockey stadium is right next door to Carter Finley Stadium. And then also there's a high school right there. So that's kind of where the tailgate lots are. But there's a bar right across the street. So we went in there and it's just like hailing. It's downpouring. And I'm like, okay, this is this is kind of sketchy. But around like 10, 1030, it really cleared up. And I went to a tailgate in the high school parking lot by the, by the field. Um, and it was actually a pretty nice day for like an hour and a half. And when the game started, it was hot. It was like 85 degrees. And I was like, this is really strange. Uh, and then, yeah, as it started to get darker, um, we all know what happened. Uh, and then it, it kind of, even when the game resumed, it was raining initially for a while, but then it again turned into kind of a nice day. So I guess that's just Carolina uh, that time of year, but let's just try to, you know, Never play there again. I believe you play there in 2029 next, and I will not yeah. be returning. Yeah, that makes sense. It's it's kind of weird how nice it was at the end of the game, considering how bad it was, because when they were showing it on TV during the delay, it looked pitch black at one point, and you're like, this is 1.30 p.m. Eastern time, and it literally looks like nighttime. Um, there was a point during that delay where I was just thinking to myself, like, okay, there's going to be zero fun had in this game. Just get out of it with a win. Seriously, it's not about survival. At one point, I was like, is there anything that we're going to be able to take away from this game? Because I was right. sort of under the assumption that maybe the storm su subside, but it was going to continue to downpour like it had been throughout that delay. And then it clears up, Notre Dame gets back out in the field. And I think now is a good time to actually start talking about the game because the first thing that I liked uh, in this one is how the Notre Dame coaching staff handled this entire game. And a big part of that was the delay because right out of the delay – Notre Dame came out firing. They have the 80-yard touchdown run to estimate. But I think overall, if you look at the effort and the way that Notre Dame handled all the adversity that was thrown at them, it was really, really impressive. And a lot of that has to do with the head coach and his assistance and the entire Notre Dame support staff. Yeah, I mean, no doubt about that. I know that there were some people on the message boards upset about the fact that maybe a player or two had a hot dog and that that's – not anything that a, you know, a well-conditioned athlete should be eating and that it was a poor planning for Notre Dame. But as it turned out, actually, they did have food for the players as well. But I digress. <laughs> You're right. Uh, the adjustments they made over that period were phenomenal. Um, really kind of having struggled on offense for the first two and a half drives. That third drive, they, they started to kind of make some progress there. Uh, that all ultimately culminated in that. 54-yard field goal from Spencer Schrader, but you just hadn't seen anything. And then the way that they responded, I mean, they just come right out in that 80-yard touchdown run on the first play of the resumption of the game. That was, uh, I mean, that's a play that I'm probably going to, That's I'm going to remember that play for a really long time now. Having been there in that moment, it was like, I am kind of delirious. I don't know what's <laughs> going on. Most of the people weren't even back in the stadium yet for that. Um, I was in the people I was sitting with weren't even back in the stadium yet. And so I'm just kind of sitting there with two drinks and a water bottle. I was just like, all right, let's just let this rip, I guess, as it's like <laughs> pouring at that point. And for that to be the first play, uh, that was pretty special. It was. It honestly caught me off guard because they sort of like came out of that delay really quickly. 
They got right back on the field. The warm-up was not nearly as long as they had said during the delay. Initially, it was supposed to be like 20 minutes or something like that. I think it ended up being 10. Yeah, And then the the broadcast was a little behind, too. Like, they go right to the play, and then immediately estimates running away. I'm like, wait, I had to check myself for a second. Like, is this really happening? Is this a... I was really confused there, but it was a really impressive play. And I can only imagine how you were feeling after being in that uh, basketball arena for two hours coming out and probably the weight that was lifted off your shoulders. Like, okay, maybe I'm allowed to have some fun in this game after all. That's exactly kind of how it was. I was like, you know, all right, whatever. This is just going to be a really weird day that hopefully never relives itself or recreates itself down the future. But as soon as that happened, I just got a, a breath of fresh air. I'm like, all right. Here we go. This one could be fun. Uh, and, and yeah, that was a very special moment. And honestly, just talking about the play itself, I didn't realize he had breakaway speed like that. So that was uh, that was also pretty, pretty cool in itself. Yeah, he was moving, man. And he looks bigger and bigger every game. He has to be touching like 240 pounds. I know he's listed as 227. I think that's a lie. But that was really great. And, and going back to the coaching point, I know the point's been made by multiple people at this point, but it really is crazy how... Marcus Freeman is the coach who's only in his second full year as a head coach. And Dave Doran, who's very well respected, he made some calls there. Like the one when he called the uh, the timeout before the punt, that was crazy. I couldn't even believe that they decided not to go for that to begin with. I was like, all right, you can be a little bit aggressive here. Then they choose not to, and then they burn the timeout. That was ridiculous. The way Marcus Freeman handled the clock going into the half was also great because it allowed Notre Dame to get the ball back with a chance to score. And they did. Al Golden, he's just been unbelievable so far this year. He outcoached Robert and I. It wasn't even, frankly, close, honestly. He completely bottled up Brennan Armstrong and his scheme, the way that they utilize spies. So I thought that was really impressive. Tony Gibson and Jared Parker. Gibson did get the better of Parker at certain points. Uh, the flea flicker call, I absolutely hated. I'll get to that later. But I, overall, I thought at every single level, Notre Dame's coaching staff outcoached NC State's, and they're a far more veteran group than what Notre Dame has, minus Al Golden, obviously. I mean, Gibson might have gotten that better of them a couple times, but the fact remains, Notre Dame scored 45 points, and that was a team that hadn't allowed 30 points in, what, 30-plus games or something like that. Yeah. So um, that's pretty significant. And, yeah, you're right, it's funny. Uh, as we were sitting there at the end of the first half and – NC State scores its first touchdown, which, by the way, should not have happened. There were like three holds on that play, and that was after seven penalties that were all just absolute BS. We'll get, we'll to, get that. to that later. <laughs> um, I'm sitting there, and our buddy, Andrew Ingram, is like, what the hell is he doing call time, calling timeout? I'm like, it's exactly what they did last week. Like, They're going to go down the field and score. They think that he can do that. And he was like, well, that was Tennessee State. I'm like, they have a lot of faith in Sam Hartman, and that showed itself, and, and it, you know, was very rewarding for the Notre Dame offense and Notre Dame as a team um, getting those timeouts. And so you're right. Those timeouts were critical. And I knew that's exactly what he was doing. There were people around me who did not pick up on that, but uh, yeah, huge for Marcus Freeman. I honestly don't blame them. They're just not used to seeing Notre Dame be that aggressive. <laughs> right. No. When in uh, reality, that was the right move when you have a good enough quarterback and Notre Dame does uh, at this point in time. We'll be right back with Luke in a second, but I wanted to take this moment to tell you about Game Time. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. 
With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you'll have. If you're planning on going to the game against Central Michigan on Saturday but don't have tickets yet, GameTime can help you out. It's the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect once you arrive to the game. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. And tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app. Create an account and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. What's the next thing you liked? I'm going to go with the safeties. Uh, I was very impressed with the performance both from Xavier Watts and DJ Brown. Uh, and honestly, I could probably extend this to the entire secondary, but I want to call it the safeties in particular because I feel like going into this year, that was a real question mark. I think that maybe over the summer, there was some more confidence in that group after what the media had seen from some practices. But they both played really, really well. Obviously, both had interceptions. And what we saw at Xavier Watts on back-to-back plays with that ridiculous pass breakup where he didn't come close to committing pass interference, and I don't know how he didn't. Um, And then the next play, getting a pick. That's what we've been looking for. We've been looking for him to break through at safety like that, and that's just great to see because he's a guy who's moved around positions for the better of the team, what, five, six times. And now that he's finally gotten some time to actually train full-time at safety, you're seeing how good of a player he can be. Yeah, he's a great athlete, a great playmaker, and seeing DJ Brown make some plays is really exciting because he was always sort of categorized as this player who was always going to be in the right spot. Like, he knew the defense. He knew how to get guys aligned, but when it came time to make a play on the ball, he wasn't the first guy who you'd count on to make a play. He made a great read on that one where he jumped the route, got the pick. He almost dropped it, but he made a great interception. You're right, the secondary really shined in this one. Yes, the NC State wide receivers weren't that great, but still, a big reason why they struggled is because of how well the Notre Dame secondary was playing. And that one interception that uh, I, I think it was Concepcion that hit him right in the chest and popped up in the air, I am certain that he was getting ready to get hit. Uh, and fortunately for Notre Dame, it just bounced right off his chest for an interception. So really great play. And you're right. Earlier this year uh, in the offseason, we were talking about safeties. as like, are they going to be able to survive the season? They had to get a grad transfer from Rhode Island, and even though it's nice to have for depth purposes, we haven't even really seen Antonio Carter on the field that much because the guys in front of him have been playing that well. Exactly. Uh, and, I mean, honestly, the the defense as a whole, it's, it's funny you bring up this, the Xavier Watts or Concepcion hearing footsteps point because Brennan Armstrong, even though Notre Dame only had one sack, he took a beating in this game. I mean, he was just getting lit up all game. And I know he's a large guy, but he, he had to have a rough Sunday. And <laughs> that really translated to all of NC State's offense. I think their success rate in this game was 19%. That's like laughably bad. Um, and that was just that just goes to show you how strong Notre Dame's defense was. And frankly, without the aid of penalties, that they could not move the ball. Yeah, and I want to stay on the defense because the next thing I liked, it's I'm kind of cheating here because I'm picking two players to to spotlight here. Howard Cross and Maris Leofau. I'll start with Howard Cross. Um, He was unblockable for most of the game. He was a force in the interior of the defensive line. And really, this has been something that's been going on all season long. This is just the first time it's been against really quality competition. Cross finished with five total tackles, a tackle for loss, four quarterback hurries, and three stuffs at or around the line of scrimmage. Again, 
Notre Dame didn't register uh, more than a sack, but still the defensive line, I thought, overall played pretty well. Sure, it'd been nice to get Armstrong down, but it wasn't so much about sacking Armstrong as it was about limiting his scrambling ability. And because of the way that the defense pressured him, he never really had a chance to get out and run. And Howard Cross, when he's coming through the middle like that, that just creates problems for the quarterback because he's going to have to move out of the pocket and Notre Dame might be ready for that. So I just wanted to give a shout out to Howard Cross because that was really, really impressive and uh, something we've been seeing all season long. I agree. Uh, the defensive line in general, I thought was very impressive, even though there was just the one sack, which by the way, shout out Donovan Heinish making the most of his time. Yeah. I know it was late in the game, but good sack by him filling in for Gabe Rubio. Uh, I thought Javon, Javante John Baptiste. I don't know if the stats will show this as much. He just seems like a wrecking ball out there though. I mean, he is causing problems. Riley Mills, I think had one of his better games in a while too. He was getting tackled by three guys and wasn't drawing holding penalties for whatever reason. He did get some BS hands to the face after there were three holds on that play, but that's besides the point. I thought he played pretty well too, um, especially in the run game. So that was good to see. And, and that's a group that's going to need to continue to play like that as Notre Dame approaches the Ohio state game. Yeah. I'm actually looking up the snap counts right now. Donovan Heinish was out there a little bit more than I thought he was out there for 21 plays, which again, makes sense. He's filling in for Gabe Rubio, but when he was out, he made the most of his opportunities because even when he wasn't getting the sack, there was one play where he just straight up bull rushed the guard and drove him four yards into the backfield. He didn't make a sack or even a tackle or anything on the play, but he clearly was impacting the game. So that was really good. And another player I want to spotlight, uh, and the second thing that I liked, is Maris Leofau. You and I were very hard on him last year, and I would say it was fair. But in the same sense, I think it's uh, time to give him a ton of praise because we've been seeing it a little bit in the first two games. But really, in this game, Leofau was just all over the field. And he's becoming one of my favorite players to watch on the entire defense. Al Golden lines him up anywhere. Like, he's smart enough to know where he needs to be no matter where he lines up. And he's athletic enough to get sideline to sideline. At times, he was spying on Brennan Armstrong. At times, he was in coverage. At times, he was just rushing the passer. But he's been really, really effective this year. He finished with five total tackles in this one. One tackle for loss in a quarterback hurry. And uh, it's it's pretty impressive what he's done, especially considering what happened last year. I think it's becoming more evident every single game that last year he was just not fully recovered from that injury. And now we're seeing the player that we had heard about in fall camp of 2021. Well, yeah, you hit it right on the head there. I, I think it's very obvious now that he just simply was not healthy last year, or at least not 100%. Because you're right, he got a lot of criticism um, last season. From us, um, in particular, from a former Notre Dame linebacker who I think <laughs> thinks a little bit too highly of his own playing career sometimes. <laughs> I'll let you all guess who that might be, but um, we'll see if he still thinks that way today. I haven't really been listening to his stuff lately. Anyways, he he looks great out there. He's just flying around, wreaking havoc, just pissing the other team off, too, is kind of what yeah, it looks like. He's such an too. asshole on the field, um, dude. He's so physical. Yeah, he. I mean, I heard some guy by I me mean, call him like Troy Polamalu. I know Troy Polamalu is a safety, but it, like they're saying he looks like them out there with the hair flying. And that's basically what Notre Dame fans have been wanting for two years since what we thought we were going to get in 2021 before he got hurt too. So um, good for him that he's really bounced back and, and is playing really, really strong football right now. Yeah. If you're on the offense going up against Maris Leofau, he's just got to be so annoying because even if you're blocking him and it's not really in the play, like he's going to hit you and he's going to let you know about it every single play. Like that dude has a motor uh, that few few people have. So really love what I'm seeing from him and Howard Cross. Uh, what's next up on the things he liked? 
got to be holding stays here. Uh, I mean, his performance was just incredible on Saturday, and it was really, I guess I could extend this to just the use of play action that Notre Dame um, leveraged on Saturday, whether it was Davis Sherwood, Holden Stays, who should have had a third touchdown. He did have two. I think he had four catches for 115 yards and, and two touchdowns, and he just looks very comfortable out there. He can fly. He Not only does he actually kind of look a little bit like he could be Tommy Tremble's brother, uh, he's starting to like look like him out there on the field now, too, and I know that nobody's ever going to block at the level Tommy Tremble did, but he's playing really strong, and, and that connection between him and Hartman is, is really something to behold. So, um, yeah, that's that's a serious weapon in the passing game. Yeah, I like Mitchell Evans, but he didn't really have his best game against NC State, and he had that drop. He isn't targeted a lot, so his drops are a little bit louder. And then when you have Holden Stays coming on like he has been, uh, I think we're nearing a point where Holden Stays is going to be getting – the vast majority of the reps as tight end one. And then who knows, once Eli Raritan comes back and he's fully healthy, it does seem like that's taking a little bit longer than normal, which is totally fine. This is his second torn ACL in as many years. So it's understandable that it's taking a little bit longer for him to get back on the field. But once he is, I don't really see Mitchell Evans being out there for any other reason than Troll personnel as a blocker because, because Holden Stays is solidifying himself as the clear uh, pass catcher at the tight end position and he had two catches going into this game and he left Raleigh with two more touchdowns so just a really impressive game by him yeah I mean I I do actually still think that we'll see Mitchell Evans quite a bit even when whenever Eli Raritan is back because I think they like him a lot they trust him I know he had a drop in that big game or sorry he had a drop of the game the other day but I I do think we'll continue to see him but as far as the passing game goes I think it's becoming quite evident that Stays is going to be the number one option from the tight ends yeah it's great it's a great problem to have to have this many quality tight ends but it is tight end you so it makes sense all right last thing I have on liked uh I got to give a shout out to the special teams because last time we did this, I was pretty critical of them. I thought Bryce McPherson, I don't love him getting the amount of action that he got, but when he was out there, he was really effective. And considering the conditions, I thought it was really impressive performance by him. Um, he helped Notre Dame win the field position battle when they weren't turning the ball over. So shout out him and Spencer Schrader, man. <laughs> like that dude's got a leg that we haven't seen in a long time at Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, 54-yarder, which initially I was surprised that that was the longest field goal in Notre Dame history, but then as I kind of thought, and then somebody said it, college kickers do suck, so maybe I shouldn't <laughs> be that surprised. But shout-out to him on having that record. In a record, he almost one-upped himself later in the game, almost hitting a 56-yarder as well. It had the leg, just hit the upright. Um, that's that's going to be a weapon if, if that – can you know connect consistently that's that's something to really be happy to have yeah that's great to have and the fact that Notre Dame has confidence with him going out there kicking from pretty much any distance it helps the offense as well because you don't have to be as aggressive obviously you want Notre Dame to be aggressive but knowing that they have a guy who can kick it from anywhere in the field it's like a nice consolation prize and also the uh, coverage units strong game as well uh, no blowups there like they had against Tennessee State so just wanted to give a shout out to special teams. College football season is here, and this season, the Locked On Podcast Network is kicking up our coverage with a new show called Locked On College Football Kickoff Live, which airs every Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on every Locked On College YouTube channel. College Football Kickoff Live will cover everything going on in the sport and go in-depth like only Locked On can, including insight and analysis from our stable of college hosts covering their team every day. 
This episode is also brought to you by FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can be on everything from spreads to player props and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. All right, moving on to the things that we didn't like. Uh, I think we're on the same page on the first one. It's got to be the offensive line, right? Uh, not their best performance. Sam Hartman took four sacks. Uh, really got hit a lot in the game. And outside of Estime's 80-yard run uh, and a couple nice runs from Jadarian Price, the offense just really kind of struggled on the ground. Uh, I think those numbers are a little bit misleading. And it's going to sound weird to say, like, uh, Notre Dame relied too much on its explosiveness, but that is kind of what happened on Saturday. Uh, I think they had, what, 456 yards of offense, something like that. Um, and I think, like, 300 and... 60 of them or something came on four or five plays. Uh, that's just, it's not where you want to be at. Obviously we'll take the explosive plays, but at times there was a lot that left to be desired. And, and a lot of that stemmed from really just a, a kind of not great performance in the offensive line. Yeah. And I would say that this is all relative to the expectations that we have for this group, because you've got a future NFL first round pick at left tackle and Joe out was incredible again. He did have that one holding penalty. It happens, whatever. I still thought he played really well. But when the expectations are that high and you have an opportunity going up against a pretty stout defense in NC State, especially at stopping the run, you were kind of hoping that they would solidify themselves as one of the best offensive lines in the country. And yes, I understand that NC State was blitzing a ton. I think they blitz on 14 of Hartman's dropbacks. So that's that's a it's going to be a tough task for the offensive line, but still it was a chance to assert themselves, assert some dominance, and it just didn't really happen. Now, that's not to say that they won't continue to improve, and maybe by Ohio State, we're talking about a, a totally different performance from this group. But I also think it's fair to say, after watching that game, that they didn't get quite the push that you would want and expect from a group this talented. No, they, they didn't. Um, and, hey, it, it only has been three weeks, so maybe, you know, come week four. I mean, that, that 2018 line didn't look great through three weeks either, so... We'll see. Um, I know we always say it takes a few weeks to gel, but hopefully that that translates itself in week four. I, I will say, though, um, they were not aided um, by the officials in this game. I kind of thought that holding penalty was BS. I, I, I just I really I don't know what was going on with these ACC officials, but it was one of those times where it's like these guys should have to face the media after the game, <laughs> they were that bad. Um, and it was just, there was a, a sequence where I swear there were like eight flags in a row. And it, at some yeah. point it's like a basketball game. You got to swallow the whistle. It's pathetic. It single-handedly kept NC state in the game too. They, they would have been, I mean, it would have been over in the second quarter if, if not for these officials. So, um, that was just disgusting. And it's clear that Jim Phillips is leading a campaign. He wants this third <laughs> winning streak to end. And that is going all the way down to the officials. I don't care if I have to go to the papers about it, but this is, this is all BS. I didn't realize just how much, uh, the ACC was hurt by the fact that Notre Dame has this extended regular season winning streak. And we started to hear a little bit more about it in the lead up to this game where Jim Phillips literally confronted the ACC coaches about it at media day. Like, 
when are you going to beat Notre Dame or something along those lines? So clearly it bothers him. And I got to say, that makes it all the more enjoyable when Notre Dame continues to beat the ACC, knowing that not only is the other team upset who just lost the game, every other school in the conference is also looking at the school like, come on, dude, when are we ever going to beat this team? So I'm with you. I think that some of the penalties were kind of dumb on Notre Dame. Um, I'm with you. The officiating wasn't great. It was really frustrating at times. But still, from the Notre Dame perspective, this is uh, the second thing I don't like. Ten penalties is ten penalties, and NC State ended up earning five first downs via Notre Dame penalties. That's unacceptable. It needs to be cleaned up. Uh, that jumps out right now is Jack Kaiser's offsides. And the the offsides were bad. Ex- yeah. Extremely uncharacteristic of Jack Kaiser. I don't think that's going to be a pattern. But still, it's one of those plays where you're like, dude, clean it up there. So, yes, part of it was due to the officiating. I agree some of the calls were very frustrating. Jason Onye's hands to the face was so ridiculous, uh, considering he was clearly just going up to tip the pass. He didn't even come down. Like, it's plays like that where you're like, all right, nothing Notre Dame can do there. But still, I think there were some things that they needed to tighten up. Yeah, the unsportsmanlike was also absolutely ridiculous. And and frankly, I felt like their receivers could have gotten like four taunting penalties in that game. Um, they yeah, were they mo- talked a lot of smack for not catching For balls. sucking, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they were not good. Which will probably lead into my next point about the experience in general. But um, there were also, I think, like it just seemed like their DBs were allowed to hit our receivers early a lot, especially early in that game. They missed a roughing the punter too early on. That was like blatant. And I, I don't know. I was just, those guys have got to clean it up. So yes, I agree. The offsides. Cause there were a couple of times where I actually felt like we could have been called for offsides again. We were jumping a lot that needs to sort itself out. Other than that, these officials need help, but um, I, I spoke about there, how I thought those guys were talking a lot of smack it wasn't just them. Uh, the fans, it's funny. In the pregame at a tailgate, I was talking to um, a listener of the show, actually, who lives in, in Raleigh, and I was asking him, like, what do you make of these fans? Like, how do they fit in the spectrum within the research triangle? And he said they're eight and four fans. And I said, <laughs> well, what does that mean? <laughs> like, well, you know, they're just kind of around. They're loud, but really they are just there to kind of just instigate and cause problems. They're eight and four fans. They don't have anything to care about. And that could not have been more true. As soon as I'm walking into the stadium, just getting cursed out by NC State fans, I saw NC State students screaming at elderly Notre Dame fans, like just making very, very inappropriate comments relating to the Catholic Church. There's always people about like just that think that Rudy sucks is an insult. Like nobody in Notre Dame really likes Rudy either. So I don't know like why that's still used. But the other thing that I just thought was absolutely classless was the amount of middle fingers you saw just being thrown up by the student section. Like that Notre Dame put out two videos today. One was the Holden Stays touchdown, which you t- tweeted out as well of them flipping him off in the end zone. There's also in the Audric Estime, like coming out of uh the the break if you look in the start of that video they tweeted out it's Notre Dame going down the tunnel and the entire student section is giving them the bird uh, and I just thought like it was a really really nasty environment and they're not good enough to be that and that's why they're doing it because they have nothing else like you have some like it's southern trash and you have some old woman telling you go back to South Bend and like I don't know what your guys problem is they're just like kind of nasty trashy people yeah I was I was pretty surprised when they uh when the f- delay started and Notre Dame players are going in the tunnel, the camera just sat there on Notre Dame heading into the tunnel. And you could see this one kid with a mullet who's literally just like, 
mother effing every single player who comes by. And of course, he's recording all of it. Like he thinks he's going to look yeah. cool when he posts it on social media. Like, oh, look at me. I was talking shit to all these Notre Dame players. But if they had said anything back to me or touched me at all, I'd probably file a lawsuit. Like those people, I cannot stand. But it was happening all game. And I'm sure that like when Holden stays, when he scored the touchdown, he goes right to him and he shushes him. Yes, he's like provoking them to an extent, but I'm guessing that wasn't the first thing he had heard all game. I think NC State fans were all over him. And I also get that it's a few bad apples that make a whole fan base look bad, but I didn't see any good apples in the crowd. It was nothing no. but bad the entire game. No, I mean, I would, that they were just nasty people. Um, and your great house also shushed them. I mean, so these guys were clearly hearing this the whole game. Um, I also will say that the delay, I think, helped Notre Dame in that front because I will give them this. It was loud at the start of that game. It was very loud, and the students all left after that delay. The student section was not nearly as crowded, so I think that probably helped Notre Dame. I, I, the last point on the crowd that I'll make is that they actually, and I did not think this is possible, they found a way to top that god-awful Are You Scared song for third down. <laughs> I don't even know what this song is called, but just like imagine the worst rap song you've ever heard in your life. That's like just like kind of like a some sort of trap house song. It was so bad and just it was loud and kind of it was a bit intimidating at the start. But then as the game went on, they kept playing it and they're getting their asses kicked. It's like, OK, can we just cut this out already? And and that was very nice when they all left. When they're down four scores in the fourth quarter, um, there's nothing better than that. Every shitty ACC stadium is the same. They're all a dump, <laughs> and all the fans just leave when their team's getting their ass kicked by Notre Dame. I think that's a good note to end on. Luke, here you go. Thanks for joining, man. We'll do it again next week. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, that's a wrap for this episode. Thanks again for making this your first listen of the day. I'm working on some exciting stuff for these next couple of weeks, and I can't wait to share it with you. So make sure that you're subscribed to the show on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts, and follow the show on social media. The Twitter slash X account is at Lockdown Irish. I have finally succumbed to calling it slash X. Anyway, Instagram is at Lockdown Irish Pod, and my personal Twitter account is at Tyler, W O J C I A K. I'll see you guys tomorrow.